A government shutdown threatens to overshadow the Republican tax win. A vote at the U.N. puts a strain on relations between the U.S. and some of its closest allies. And a Democratic senator issues a stern warning for President Trump. This is the State of America tonight. I don't see a shutdown happening. We were negotiating into the late hours. I don't think anybody is advocating for a shutdown right now. We think that Congress will do the right thing. This White House is committed to keeping the government open. It'd be a shame if the Democrats force a shutdown. It isn't up to us to keep the government open. It's up to them. America will put our embassy in Jerusalem. Well, we're watching those votes. Let them vote against us. We'll save a lot. We don't care. No vote in the United Nations will make any difference on that. Congress must make clear to the president that firing the special counsel is unacceptable. Hello, I'm Joe Johns, live in Washington for Kate Baldwin. To our viewers watching around the world, this is the State of America Tonight. It was the day before Christmas break, and all through the White House, President Trump watches and waits as big showdowns play out. Okay, maybe that didn't completely rhyme, but work with me here, because fresh off of his first big win in Congress, the president is hoping clashes over key domestic and foreign policy issues do not overshadow that victory. Up first, a showdown over the potential government shutdown. In just a few hours, the House is expected to vote on a short-term spending bill to keep the government open for business. That vote comes after the president took aim at Democrats and pressured his party on Twitter, claiming Dems, quote, want a shutdown to distract from the very popular just-passed tax cuts. House Republicans, don't let this happen. But as it turns out, those House Republicans may be one reason for the delay. A lot of the demands and the competing demands are among members of their own caucus. So what they're trying to do right now is uh, to push through these competing sets of demands within the Republican Party and, and really coalesce behind one actual pro proposal. Uh, but that right now doesn't have a way forward. And while it may be a new day on Capitol Hill, lawmakers are still fighting over the same old sticking points, including the Children's Health Insurance Program, FISA warrantless surveillance, defense spending, disaster relief. Despite the disagreements, one House Republican does not believe a shutdown will actually happen. All of those viewers that are looking and talking about a shutdown right now uh, really need to be assured that they're going to be able to enjoy Christmas without a government shutdown. Now, for his part, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell says his colleagues are ready to act on any measure approved by the House. The Senate stands ready to take up an agreement as soon as one originates over in the House. We're ready to work together across the aisle to ensure there is no lapse in funding for critical services. Now to a showdown at the United Nations, where the General Assembly has voted 128 to 9 to condemn President Trump's decision to name Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Before that vote, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley issued a warning to any nation voting for the resolution. This vote will make a difference on how Americans look at the U.N. and on how we look at countries who disrespect us in the U.N., and this vote will be remembered. Haley's comments followed this warning from her boss during a cabinet meeting Wednesday. Well, we're watching those votes. Let them vote against us. We'll save a lot. 
We don't care. But this isn't like it used to be where they could vote against you and then you pay them hundreds of millions of dollars and nobody knows what they're doing. And we're not going to be taking advantage of any longer. Now, a former State Department spokesman tells CNN Mr. Trump's rhetoric may not reflect reality. When you cut off that funding, and I don't believe he's actually going to do this, Poppy, but if he did, uh, you basically remove America's influence and interests in, the, in those parts of the world, and you open up a vacuum where other countries like Russia and particularly China, when we're talking about Africa, would st- gladly step in uh, and fill our shoes. And now to the ongoing showdown over the special counsel investigation into Russia meddling in the last election. As a growing number of Democrats voice their concerns over what some say is a coordinated effort by Republicans to discredit and possibly oust Robert Mueller, the ranking member of the Senate Intelligence Committee said this. Any attempt by this president to remove special counsel Mueller from his position or shut down the investigation would be a gross abuse of power and a flagrant violation of executive branch responsibilities and authorities. Senator Warner added that such an action would be, in his words, a red line that he says Congress cannot allow to be crossed. CNN's Manu Raju explains why Warner chose to speak out now. He said that he decided he wanted to go to the floor uh, yesterday, make this speech, put the focus on the potential that uh, the president could take steps to undermine the investigation so that Republicans would speak out as well. And two high-profile Republicans who have also been high-profile critics of the Trump administration did just that. A firing would provoke certainly action here on Capitol Hill. I I don't want to say what that would be, but but obviously that's uh, something we don't want to see. There would be an uprising and a revolt. I, I, I think that's just beyond the pale. That would be something that would not be tolerated, period. For its part, the White House is pushing back against the speculation, issuing a statement that reads in part, the White House willingly affirms yet again, as it has every day this week, there is no consideration being given to the termination of the special counsel. And finally, for President Trump, there seems to be one group with whom a showdown is no longer an issue. That would be congressional Republicans. Just listen to the love fest after the tax bill was passed. Something this profound could not have been done without exquisite presidential leadership. This has been a year of extraordinary accomplishment for the Trump administration. We're going to make this the greatest presidency that we've seen, not only in generations, but maybe ever. All friends. I mean, I look at these people. It's like we're warriors together. All friends. I guess the days of angry tweets toward Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan are over. So could a truce with the media be next? I don't think so. Something tells me that's a pretty big request, even for Santa. What a difference a day makes when Wednesday the president was celebrating his big tax win. Today he got a stinging rebuke at the U.N. and he's facing a possible government shutdown. CNN's Caitlin Collins is following all of this from the White House. What's going on, Caitlin? Yeah, that's right, Joe. The White House is still riding that high from yesterday, having Congress pass that sweeping tax bill that was definitely a big legislative accomplishment, not only for Republicans, but for the president in his first 11 months here in office. But we have not seen the president today. We did hear 
from the press secretary, Sarah Sanders, earlier this morning. She said that he had been in meetings and making calls, including one to House Speaker Paul Ryan. And as you just mentioned, House Republicans are scrambling to keep the government open because it runs out of funding in roughly the next 30 hours. Now, we do know that they have scheduled a vote for this afternoon. They're looking optimistic that they will be able to secure that funding to last the government through mid-January and get out of town for Christmas. But then on another note, the White House is also watching that U.N. vote today that where a lot of nations denounced, I believe the vote was 128 to 9, denouncing the White House's decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And that was something we heard from the president talk about during his cabinet meeting yesterday, during that brief time when they let reporters in. And he threatened to cut off funding to any nations that voted against that decision today at the United Nations. We also know that United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley said that the United States is going to keep a list of those countries. So it's likely we'll hear from the president more on that decision as he's here wrapping up his last few days of this year at the White House, Joe. Thanks for that, Caitlin. I would expect the United States Congress might have something to say about which countries don't get funded anymore, too. But we'll see. Still ahead, the clock is ticking, lawmakers are scrambling, and a government shutdown may be looming. And if it seems we've been here before, we have. Not that long ago, in fact. Why all the budget drama yet again? Our panel is going to weigh in. Deja vu. Here we go again. At a time of holiday lights and cheer, could the U.S. government go dark and cold? Meantime, the U.S. got the cold shoulder at the U.N. and warns it won't forget. Panel tonight, CNN political commentator Paris Denard. Amber Phillips, political reporter for the Washington Post political blog, The Fix. Scott Jennings is a CNN political commentator and former special assistant to President George W. Bush. And John Saleb is the chief of staff to former Democratic Senator Max Baucus. Thanks to you all for coming in. And just the obvious question, especially for an international audience, we do go through this year after year after year. The big question probably for people who are watching around the world, why is it that one of the most advanced countries in the world doesn't have a better process for funding the government? Uh, You know, uh, John, I'd like to start with you. Well, you know, this is set up by the Constitution, right? The the Congress has the power to to fund the government. Uh, the, The president really only has the power to either sign it or veto it. Uh, and look, this has not been a big problem until very recently. So, you know, I started working uh, in Congress, you know, almost 20 years ago, and these things used to happen routinely uh, and without a lot of debate, frankly. And uh, there was never any real threats of the government shutting down. Obviously, there were there were some issues with Newt Gingrich and, and Bill Clinton in the late 90s, but you know that was really an aberration. This seems to be happening you know, every year. And it's particularly odd now, given the fact that Republicans control the entire legislative branch. Uh, so even when they control everything, they, they can't seem to stop from fumbling this issue. Scott Jennings, you've been through a couple of these, I do believe, with George W. Bush. What's your view of it? Is it just because we've become increasingly partisan or is there something in the system that really needs to be fixed? Just uh, your view. 
Well, I think our process and our system is set up by the U.S. Constitution is fine. It's worked well for over 200 years. We're a thriving democracy, so I don't have any problem with our framework for the way our government con- works. But wait, can, can I, I just let me just interrupt on. for one second? Sure. The Constitution doesn't say anything about you can shut down the government. It basically says, you know, Congress has the power over the purse and the president signs. There's nothing yep. in there about shutdowns. Yeah, but the, the, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's the power of the purse. And right now what we're having in this country are appropriate debates about how much money we're spending and on what we're spending it. And so you are going to have occasional moments where those debates ratchet into a, uh, uh, a tense situation. I don't think they're going to shut down the government. It would be galactically stupid to shut down the government if you're the Republicans coming off the big tax win. Best I can tell, they're going to pass a continuing resolution, get this into January, and deal with it then. It's not always great to punt, but sometimes if you're a football fan, you know punting is the right move. For the Republicans, going home for Christmas with a tax win and not shutting down the government is clearly the best strategic move. Amber, as a journalist, could just give me some idea of what the people think of this. We do this year after year after year. Have American public just sort of uh, become immune to this story or is there still outrage about the way we run it? Uh, I think disaffected is probably the adjective I'd use. And I use that because polls show that year after year after year, you're absolutely right. The American public's perception of Congress just goes down, 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 down. Uh, Gallup uh, in November is the most recent poll I saw, showed 16 percent of Americans approve of the job Congress is doing. Uh, that is the lowest in the Trump administration so far. Uh, it's been lower. It's been lower in 2013 when it was around 11 percent when the government shut down. I think Americans like have come to the point where they don't expect much from Congress and they're just like, okay, you guys can't figure anything out. I'm annoyed with you. I'm sick with you. Oh, and hey, let's elect a president last year uh, that we think could shake things up and get Washington working again. I think that's a big reason Trump got elected. Paris, let me turn the corner a little bit with you. Now, we just had the big tax bill passed on Capitol Hill. Question, of course, is whether this fight over funding the government, the things that get left in, the things that get left out going forward, is there a possibility of that overshadowing what has been the biggest win for President Trump this year? I don't think so, because I agree with the other panelists in saying that I believe the Congress does not want to shut down the government. It does not make sense to shut down the government politically when you had such a successful win for the country and for the president and the Congress led by the Republicans. And so I don't think that they want this to happen. I don't think that it will happen. But moving into 2018, what the Congress has got to do is show momentum and say that this tax cut was just the beginning of the action that we're going to do. And so kicking the can down the road is not a very good plan when you're going into midterm elections. They need to say, we are going to stop doing these continuing resolutions and actually pass a full budget. We are going to continue with the president's agenda of making America great again by doing more things such as it could be infrastructure spending. It could be advancing some of the other things like the the immigration issue that's coming up on the on the plan as well as DACA. And so there are many things that this Congress can do. But this idea that kicking it down the road, kicking the can down the road is a smart philosophy is not going to hold water. If you want to promote positive things that they did, like this tax cut, which is going to be very beneficial come February when Americans start to see and feel the actual benefits of this of this tax cut. 
Okay, so let's just run through some of the things that uh, we believe are going to be in this great big old spending bill. There's going to be an extension for the uh, child insurance health program. There's going to be an extension for the intelligence uh, program, Section 702, community uh, care, uh, health hospitals. But one of the things that we know is not going to be in there, Paris, is something you mentioned, DACA, deferred arrivals for children who come here from other countries, essentially fixing the situation so they don't have to leave the country. This is going to get kicked down the road into March. And I suppose that's one of the things that could overshadow the tax bill. Uh, but do we think that's going to do it, John? Uh, do, do we think it's the DACA is going to yeah. overshadow the tax bill? Mm-hmm. Look, I, the tax bill is not very popular. And, you know, it, it's one of the least popular bills that Congress has ever passed. So I think it'd be a blessing in disguise for Republicans, if anything, overshadowed this tax bill for them. Uh, DACA is an issue that, you know, is, affects, uh, you know, children across the country, kids who come to this country uh, through not their own decision. They, they were brought here as children. Uh, it's a humanitarian issue, and it's one where there's been, a, there's been a lot of bipartisan consensus. So hopefully, you know, uh, cooler minds can prevail, and the administration will, take a, will want to actually build some bridges with Democrats on this issue and try to get something done there. Okay, let's talk about today and the vote in the United Nations. Uh, the president has already made his threats about uh, withholding funding for countries that voted against the United States on the issue of uh, naming the capital of Israel to be Jerusalem. Uh, in the long term and uh, across the world, is this viewed as a huge problem for the United States going forward, especially given the fact that so many other countries uh, voted against the United States. Scott? Well, first of all, this has been part of U.S. law for over 20 years. The United States government position in both parties, by the way, 90 to nothing vote in the U.S. Senate earlier this year, is to recognize Jerusalem as the capital and to put our embassy there. So in the United States, this is not a controversial position. What the United Nations did today was pathetic. What's next? They're going to take our mother out for a nice seafood dinner and never call her again? I mean, this is a ridiculous slap in the face to a country that funds the United Nations, that plays ball in every corner of this globe on every humanitarian crisis, and to slap us in the face like this when they know for a fact this is U.S. law and this is the will of the U.S. people, to me, was exactly what Nikki Haley said. Very disrespectful. If you took her speech to the United Nations and road tested it in any state in this uh, United States, it would test through the roof. So she did a great job. The United Nations did a terrible thing today. Now, Paris, you want to jump in, and I, I do want to ask you, you know, we have uh, a bunch of countries in the Middle East, uh, think of Egypt, think of Jordan. Uh, these are countries that are actual allies of the United States in the fight against terrorism. The question is, if you take funding away from countries like that, isn't the United States sort of defeating its own interests? Well, again, the, the, there's, we, I think we're, we're jumping the gun here. The president just said that we will remember when those countries come to us asking like they do for our help, either militarily or financially. But, uh, so okay. I think the president was right to say this. I think the president did the right decision. But if you go back, this is not anything new. The president said this throughout the campaign trail. So this is just yet another thing that the president is making good on when it comes to campaign rhetoric to actual policy. The policy of the United States is to support Israel, whether or not the United Nations wants to do it. The president and, the, and Haley did the right thing today.
All right, Paris, thanks. Coming up, the Senate Intelligence Committee's top Democrat is warning President Trump, don't fire special counsel Robert Mueller or there will be consequences. Talk to the panel about that in a minute. There's not a concern in terms of trying to discredit the special prosecutor that has been not only established, but continues to investigate. And so Robert Mueller is not uh, a subject of our investigation. How, how would you react if the president took steps to get rid of Robert Mueller? He's not. I've talked to the president. He's not. Republican House member Mark Meadows there trying to discount what many see as a tax on special counsel Robert Mueller. And yesterday it was White House lawyer Ty Cobb offering reassurances after a top Senate Democrat warned President Trump against firing the man leading the Russia probe. Now, back to the panel. Amber, um, let's get you in here. Now, if you take all of the evidence that we have of what's happening, namely uh, a lot of people around the president, including his allies on Capitol Hill, doing what seems to be a concerted attack to try to discredit the special counsel. At the same time, the White House again and again repeats that the uh, special counsel is not going to be fired. What's the public supposed to make of that? What's going on here? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, John. There's competing messages here uh, from Trump's allies, uh, from House Republicans, even from conservative media who are discrediting or attempting to discredit the investigation, call it into question. Um, Senator Rand Paul today, a Republican from Kentucky, tweeted, well, why aren't we investigating the Obama administration's look at helping Hillary Clinton try to win the election? And, and there's no evidence for that, at least that I'm aware yes. of. Rand um, Paul, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky tweeted that. Exactly. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Um, I, I think there's competing messages going on. And when Republicans get asked about this, are, are, you, are you coordinating with the White House to, for some reason, discredit Bob Mueller, uh, whether you think he's investigating, you know, he hasn't found any evidence and he should stop, or you want to try and undermine whatever he finds, or you want to help the president fire him for whatever reason. Are you talking with the White House? Key Republicans haven't denied that there's conversations with the White House. And so um, I think it's fair to ask, is there a coordinated effort among Republicans to discredit Mueller? The next question is, well, why? John Seib, if you look at this thing, uh, okay, quite frankly, it's happened before. During the Clinton administration, there were all kinds of efforts to discredit uh, the special prosecutor in that case. And what seemed to be going on was an attempt to soften him up, if you will, make him look less credible because there were... There could be and there was a, a political issue on Capitol Hill affecting the fate and the future of the president. And if people didn't like the special counsel, it was easier to vote against him. Is that's what's going on here? Well, I, I think I think to try to compare what happened in the Clinton administration, what's happening now, th these are apples and oranges situations. But clearly, uh, you know, what Mark Warner did was a very smart move in trying to draw the White House out uh, to, to proclaim that they don't plan to fire the special counsel over Christmas. Uh, they wanted to get the White House on record there. There's clearly a lot of noise uh, out there, uh, as Amber pointed out, trying to d discredit the counsel and the process uh, and the congressional committees investigating this. But, 
So Warner felt compelled to do that uh, in order to protect the offense and protect the investigation. That was a pretty shrewd move on his part. Scott Jennings, uh, how about the last answer for you? Yeah, you know, look, uh, Mark Warner knows full well Donald Trump's not going to fire the special counsel because Donald Trump has said repeatedly he's not going to do it. His lawyers have said he's not going to do it. This is part of a broader disinformation campaign. The Democrats have gone unhinged in the last few weeks. They went unhinged on the tax bill. They're unhinged on the funding today. They're unhinged on Mueller. They are off the reservation, off the rails when it comes to talking about this White House. Derangement syndrome has set in. (laughs) Some strong words. We will leave it there. This is day 336 of President Trump's administration, and that's the State of America tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.